0: You're listening to a Westpac Wire podcast, westpacwire.com.au.
1: My name's Justin Lennon, and it's great to be able to host you here for the first time a number of years. We've all been in person down in Cogra uh, at TechX. Um, I'm the account director for the AWS relationship with Westpac, and I have had that privilege for three years. Um, with me today is Jess Coronis, who is the performance solutions manager for Swimming Australia. Um, those of you who follow the sport would possibly know that swimming had a breakout year at the Tokyo Olympics with a record medal haul. AWS had a small part in that to play. And today we'd like Jess to share some of her story, um, the story of Swimming Australia, uh, the the performances they've had. I'm going to be asking a bunch of questions today, um, but we're going to leave time for Q and A for the room, and also for the people at home or at work. Uh, please put your questions into the uh, chat box, and we'll curate them uh, towards the back end of this. So to kick off, Jess, thank you so much for making the time. You're off to Hong Kong this afternoon, so she's whistle stop tour into Sydney to help us out today. Um, and just maybe just to kick us off, um, can you give us a little bit of your background and what it is you do for Swimming Australia?
0: Yeah, thanks Justin. Um, thanks for having me today, guys. Um, this is really exciting for me. Um, I don't often get off pool deck um, and so yeah, when I got asked to come and um, talk to a, a bank, I was quite interested and fascinated about what you guys um, wanted to hear from me and, and could get from me. But um, I think, yeah, this will be a really exciting morning this morning. Um, So yeah, my background um, is in sports science. Um, I'm a biomechanist by trade. And for those of you that don't know what a biomechanist is, basically um, what we do is we analyze the movement of the body. Um, So it's about trying to improve performance um, and prevent injury um, through the way that the body moves in sports performance. So um, I started um, in Sydney. I went to the University of Sydney Um, and I studied um, human movements and a Bachelor of Education Um, and then I got an internship at the New South Wales Institute of Sport and started working in athletics Um, and really loved it. I just fell in love with high performance sport with watching athletes and coaches work together um, with scientists to to really achieve optimal performance outcomes Um, and seeing people with a goal and a direction and the planning um, and everything that went on behind the scenes to achieve that 10 second race um, was really, really exciting process to to be witness to and and then to be able to be a part of and trying to contribute to that process of the outcome. After I went to the 2004 Olympics with the track and field team, Um, and after that, I sort of started to move over to swimming. Swimming asked if I would come over and do some work with them um, in Sydney. Um, And I worked with um, a coach called Grant Stollwinder here in Sydney um, with Eamon Sullivan, Libby Trickett, Jeff Hugel, Andrew Lauderstein. So we had a really great group here. Um, And my role there was, um, as said, biomechanists and skill acquisition. So working with the coach um, and the other support team about how to make the swimmers faster technically um, and through their skills. And then after the London Olympics in 2012, um, I um, got an offer to go and work full time for the Australian swim team. Um, And for those of you that um, follow sport or follow swimming Australia, London wasn't the greatest Olympics for us. Um, and I actually signed my contract the day before the Olympics started to, to move. So when I got back from the Olympics, I was going to leave the new South Wales Institute of sport and go to swimming Australia. And, um, after the not so great performances, I was like, Oh, what have I done? <laughs> um, but I think from London, um, through to Tokyo, Um, It was a massive rebuilding phase for Swimming Australia, um, and and it was always an eight-year goal from 2012 um, through to 2020 um, about trying to become the number one swimming nation in the world um, at the Tokyo Olympics. And uh, my role's definitely really evolved um, over. I've been at Swimming Australia now for 10 years um and my role has massively evolved um since I started to what I'm actually doing now um and part of that reason for the evolution um was partly due to um the partners um that we've brought on to work with one of um being AWS so I will throw in a disclaimer here um I am not a tech person um but I'm very heavy and deep in tech do not expect any big tech words for me, from me, um, but I really love the tech space, even though I would definitely not call myself a tech person um, at all.
1: Great, thanks for that. Um, so let's go back to the start of the journey. Uh, I guess coming out of London, um, the rebuilding phase, and I guess there was a, um, you know, swimming hugely competitive, a huge participation rate, certainly in Australia, um, and great opportunity. Therefore, um, where did you start? What did you know about the cloud? What did you know about any of the cloud players? How did how did this come about?
0: So this is. Um... Yeah, well, I'll go back to my disclaimer. Um, I knew nothing about cloud um, when we started the rebuild phase after um, after London. Um, we more sort of we weren't moving into tech at that point, um, but that was more around um, staffing, process, um, more around I think making sure we had the right support team around the athletes. Um, where when an, an athlete's training in their daily training environment they'll have a team they'll have obviously their coach their head coach who's the most critical person in the team that's the team leader um, but they'll have a support team around them of like 10 to 12 people that be made up of biomechanists physiologists physios doctors um, pilates instructor everything psychology um, all working around them and so what's one of the things we looked at is like making sure that these that A, they had a a support team around them um, and we brought some new people into the sport um, and making sure that we probably had got away a little bit from the attention to detail in the high performance of the sport. So we went back and looked at that um, more so in the way we were training um, and the attention to detail in the training and the design of the training plans. Um, And then it was in, I think it was a around 2018, Um, our then CEO at the time, Lee Russell, sent um, an all-org email out to say that um, we had signed a partnership with Amazon. Um, I said, awesome, I love online shopping. This is so cool. I was like waiting for gift vouchers to go online shopping. Um, I didn't know what AWS was, I had never heard of it. Um, And anyway, in the email, basically there was a link to some work that AWS had done with the F1, Formula One. And I clicked on the link and I was like, whoa. I'm like, that is really cool. Um, and it was just a video of how F1 were utilizing data for their racing performance, to improve, to understand and improve performance. That's the basic crux of it. And I just thought that that was so great. Um, at, coming from a science background, um, I do like numbers. Um, And so that really, really resonated with me. And I just started to dream really, really big um, and thought like, imagine if we could do this in swimming. And um, swimming really is um, the number one sport at the Olympics, it's the biggest sport. It's the blue ribbon sport at the Olympics. Um, And I think everyone will know in Australia, um, the swimming team is really highly revered and um, you know there's a lot of pressure to perform in swimming and the Australian public love it when um the Australian swimming team is winning and um they don't love it so much when we're not winning so um it was really exciting to be a part um to be able to challenge a shift and and challenge change in the sport
1: so where did you start How did you Uh, come to terms with matching that vision to to even the first steps?
0: When when I realised it wasn't online shopping, um, the first thing we did, the first engagement we did with AWS was um, a working backwards workshop. Um, And we all flew into Melbourne. We went to Melbourne to the AWS offices there and they brought in a whole cross section of people from swimming. There were sports scientists like myself. There were coaches, uh, there were uh, parents, there were fans, there were technical officials, huge cross section of people that were involved in the, the community of swimming. And we went through around what was possible, what the art of the possible, what was potentially some things that AWS could help us with. And then we broke into smaller groups and we had to brainstorm ideas around and some blue sky thinking about, you know, what what could we do? Um, and I was kind of lucky I had a bit of a head start on the rest of the room because I, once I'd seen the video on F1, I did a little bit more Googling um, and searching to try and understand what AWS did. Um, And so I knew where the potential was. So when I, um, with the group that I was broken into, when I suggested some projects and ideas to uh, be brought forward, um, I think I had a bit of a head start because I kind of knew what the potential was. And the first project um, out of that day that um, got brought up, got sort of, I guess, put forward as feasible um, was the data lake. I work in the high performance unit. Um, So we're very focused on the performance, the coaches and the athletes, and we're on pool deck. And we also have a a commercial side of the business. Um, But this first project the Data Lake was really focused on the high performance unit. Uh, And for me as a scientist, as I said, I work a lot with numbers, with race analysis numbers, training numbers, um, competition numbers but everything was really manual for me. I spent a lot of time um, on Excel, a lot of time just searching on web pages and pulling numbers off web pages and putting them into my Excel spreadsheets. Um, and I, so a lot of manual processing, uh, really siloed data. My training data wouldn't speak to my competition data. I had to draw some parallels and try and get people to understand them, but the data couldn't do that itself. and. Um, this wasn't just my problem. Um, there are we've got probably 60 sports scientists around the world, around sorry, around Australia, working in all of our high performance programs with the coaches. So this was a common um, challenge for us. Coaches always come to us with questions about how do I make my swimming go faster? What's the fastest turn in the world? Why, when they swim at a stroke rate of this, does their velocity drop to this? And so we use this data to answer those questions. The slower we are with processing the data to get the answer, the less relevance the answer to the question has. So if a coach asks me a question on Monday and it takes me till Friday to get the answer to them because I'm trying to sort through and just find information, um, it doesn't matter. It's kind of like gone and we've missed the point um so this was a really common thing so we got the data lake done um it's probably worth mentioning here at swimming australia our i.t department is one and a half person um as i said i'm no tech person um we've got four people in sports science um and so when i got the data lake ahead um we got to, we developed it, built it with AWS, went through, and I think it was like a 12 week engagement to build it. Uh, we got to the end and we were like, oh, now what? <laughs> what do we do with the data? <laughs> and I had people going, where is it? Can I see it? I was like, oh, no, it's in the cloud. Oh, the cloud. What's the cloud? I was like I don't don't know it's up there though but it's really cool it's really cool it'll benefit us I promise um but what that did though um I knew we probably weren't ready for it um but I really wanted to push ahead because um to be able to build it out and then prove that you know there was value for it so then by then building it maybe before we were ready for it um but then created the business case that we needed to start to build some capacity internally to do that Um, and one of the really cool things as we've gone through the journey starting with the data lake was that again we haven't expanded our IT department unfortunately but um, people are starting to just get a basic understanding of the potential of cloud um, and the potential of data. Um, If we can aggregate it and not be so siloed and the power of it, if we can get it live as well and speed up our processes. So it's definitely been a really big organisational shift for us. Um, I think it's been fast. I don't know um, in tech world whether sort of three years is fast or not with a pandemic in the middle. but. yeah it's 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 a continual learning experience um and we're trying to get more and more people in on the journey um as said i'm really learning every day as well so it's just about taking people along for the experience
1: excellent thanks for that um so disclaimer my family is a massive swimming nerd sport uh, family um my son my 16 year old told me dad do you realize there have been three dead heats in swimming but there's been six where the second place is w- lost by 0.01 um so uh to that end success in our sport is such minute amounts milliseconds um and innovation is such a big part of how we might progress swimming is you are basically naked <laughs> there's not much that you can you can do from that but, i mean can you tell me about what you've done from the data lake and i guess the aiml journey that you took sure. heading into the 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 most recent olympics
0: yeah so um once we had the data lake built it was then the plan was to build um off that um i guess uh Prototypes or um, demonstrate the value in it through designing different tools that would utilize the data that was now in the data lake. And um, so, one of the ones, the big one that we did leading into Tokyo um, was called the Relay app. Um, and it was a web application um, that we built um, with, we started, just to give you a bit of background, um, when we go into an international competition, Previously, I would have to start three months out from the international competition and start to trawl the internet for the for um, results of all the other countries to try and understand what form, how fast, and who might swim in the other countries' relay teams. Uh, and I did did that all on Excel, but it was a three month process. Um, you know, there was a lot of room for human error. Um, from me, as I'm just reading off a screen and typing it into Excel. Um, And so then, once we go into competition, we use that information to try and select our relay teams um, as best we can. So, that was really, really messy and, as I said, manual intensive labour process. So, what we did was, now we had all this competition data in the data lake, combined with our race analysis data and we could now pull that together. Um, We had this idea to build this relay app to help us predict relay teams, but not just our relay team, everyone that was gonna be in the race. So uh, there was a team in the ML labs in Palo Alto, AWS's um, machine learning labs in Palo Alto. And we went over there um, and worked with some guys over there to develop an algorithm to see with this data, could we, with this historical competition data, could we predict the outcome of relays? Um, and that just happened to be a competition in Vegas um, that weekend that we were over there. So we worked for like two weeks um, on developing the algorithm, and then we took it to Vegas um, to this swimming competition. And we'd never done anything like this. Like this for us was really crazy and we got to the swimming competition and we started to put it into a few relays. And I had two coaches with me from the Australian swim team and I was like looking at the results. So we would obviously predict the result, the race would be swum. And then we were like within point oh one of the result. And I was like, surely not. And I do it again, yeah, next race. Oh, we're close. And I, then I was like, okay, now I'll show it to the coaches because coaches are very wary of data. And if it's wrong, you lose a lot of confidence in them. So I showed it to the coaches and they're like, no, you can't. I'm like, watch this next race. Same thing again. Uh, Anyway, the coaches were like, let's get out of here. They're like, come on, we're going to gamble. We're taking this algorithm. I'm like, it doesn't work on the blackjack table, guys. Uh, And anyway, so that was our proof of concept. Um, And we then transferred the algorithm, got handed back to the Australian team. um, And we worked with the guys in Australia Um, at AWS around building the web application and refining it over a couple of years. Um, And yeah, we took it to Tokyo. Um, We meddled in six out of seven relays and um, yeah, I can, honestly say that probably three of those medals um, were down to selection strategy and tactics, which the relay application um, helped us with around looking at the form of swimmers, um, being able to understand um, different swimmers' skills, so their ability to perform a relay changeover and how quickly they could do that. and That's just something like to the human mind, I don't think could absorb that much information um and translate it into an answer the same way that the machine learning did it um but it did take a little bit of time you know coaches were nervous around like oh so you don't, you're just going to tell the computer's going to tell us what to swim the relay and then we just send them in and i was like no there's still a coach. there's a real coaching element to it the computer can't tell us athlete athletes been up sick all night or the computer won't be able to tell us, you know, if an athlete is, looks, if they're not, um, if they've lost their confidence. So there's always that human part to it, but the, um, the data and the machine learning is helping support our decision making.
1: Was that, coach's opinion the the fact that these people have been around the pool deck for so long uh, was there a cultural change as you sort of work through the way improving that data out and how did you deal with the data versus opinion argument on the pool deck
0: yeah i think like with anything new with change you know people are always a little bit hesitant and nervous and with the when our data was siloed and everything was very manual you know there's a lot of room for error and um so potentially they may have lost some confidence in numbers and data being provided by the sports science team um but it's just about spending time with them and working with them um and and doing it gradually i think um the other really important part um that i see huge value in is all of our coaches um, and all of our athletes are human obviously Um, and they're all really different you know they value different things they understand things differently Um, they interpret things differently the way they intake information is differently and i think that's the critical piece is to understand what the coach values um, and what, how they take information in, so whether I present that information in a graph or whether I just give them numbers or whether I give them a video um, and talk to them through storytelling, however I do it, I have to make sure that it's suited to the person that I'm delivering it to, so I think that's probably a really key piece to it. Um, the data is only as good as how you apply it and interpret it. You know, we could have huge, I mean, we do have astronomical amounts of data, but I don't, I would say, I think at the moment, probably we're only probably using maybe 40% of it effectively. Um, and that's one of our goals into the future, is not to continue necessarily to get more data, but to make sure that the data that we have, we're maximising the potential out of it.
1: Excellent. And for, from what you've done thus far, have there been any unexpected results that from the anal- analytics that you've taken that kind of, nobody kind of saw coming?
0: Um, Yeah, probably one of the biggest ones was at the Tokyo Olympics um, with our mixed medley relay. So in a mixed medley relay, you have to swim two male and two female and you have to swim all four strokes. You can't change the order of the strokes. Um, So it goes um, fly, butterfly to backstroke to breaststroke to freestyle, but you can choose where you put your male and female swimmers. Um, so that's quite, it's a, it's a newer event um, in the program, um, but it's quite tactical. You know, do you start with two men at at the front and you're gonna get a massive lead, but then when you put your two females in, if the Americans have got two men in last, there's females, like they're gonna have men, you know, swamping them. So um, there's a real tactic and strategic um, part to the mixed medley relay and through the relay app we had different ideas like coaches had different strategies and ideas about how what order we were going to swim in Um, and then when we ran the scenarios that the coaches were coming up through the relay app um, it suggested something different to us um, that we hadn't really considered um, but it made us look at it twice Um, and this relay in tokyo was not expected to medal Um, We were probably ranked about fifth and sixth going into the final um, of this relay. Um, But yeah, by running the information through the machine learning and then considering what the output it was that it was telling us, um, and we talked about it and discussed it a lot, um, but we ended up going with what the computer um, was telling us and we won a bronze medal in that race. So that was a huge outcome for us that You know who knows whether we would have got the same if we swam it differently but um definitely i think the coaches could really see value in it um and they're off always going to me now like oh can you get that amazon thing out i need to (laughs) i need to look at my relay strategies so um yeah we're really lucky in australia um obviously with our history in swimming um our coaches are really really experienced and have really really deep rich knowledge and understanding of swimming um and so it's about with the data it's about then make it's probably not huge shifts that we're seeing but it's about learning and improving every day and i think the data helps guide us a little bit with that Um, it gives us a little bit of direction but it can also give us a lot of confidence that we're actually heading in the right direction. And more often than not, it actually supports the decision making that we're we're currently making. You know, as I said, our coaches are really experienced and really um, well versed in swimming and understanding. So I think more often than not, it's supporting it, but occasionally, like with the relay example, um, it might send us on a bit of a different path.
1: And has has the, the data helped with our highest performing athletes, Ariane Titmus, et cetera, oh, yeah. in terms of helping them push to that that next level.
0: A hundred percent. Athletes like Ariane Titmus, um, Emma McKeon, Kyle Chalmers. Um, those guys are looking at data every day. Um, Every day, the detail in the training that they do and the feedback that's given to them every day is critical for their performance. When you, like you said, Justin, we're talking about races that are won and lost by 0.01 of a second. Everything counts at that point. So they're looking at um, things from the times that they're swimming you know not just how long does it take them to swim a 50 meter lap but the segments of that so 5 10 15 meters 25 meters 35 meters they're looking at the stroke rate the distance per stroke their velocities um, their skill times which is a start a turn and a finish uh, how many underwater kicks they're doing what's their kick frequency um, then they've got heart rate data Um, blood markers, um, nutritional data, you know, some of them, not all of them, but some of them, you know, um, are really, really detailed on, you know, like how many grams of this they're eating and that they're eating for making sure that their supplementation for their diet is right. Um, So there's yeah, huge amounts of data and it is critical at the top level. If you're not um, if you don't know what you're doing um, and a bit laissez flair on it, it could definitely cost you at the end of the day at the Olympics. You know, you really have to be an intelligent swimmer these days um, to be a successful swimmer at the top level.
1: And your platform covers all of what you just spoke about?
0: Yeah. So um, we have, uh, like, a number of different platforms. Um, of Sparta, for example, is our race analysis software, um, and that, um takes um, a 4k vision like a video of a race and it will analyze the metrics those pool metrics like stroke rate velocity distance per stroke that i said um but then we've got also we're bringing in like the biometric data like heart rate and those types of things into that as well so it's about combining all that so that the data becomes holistic so we're looking at the whole picture of the athlete through performance through training and competition um and being able to understand um you know what what the effects of shifting one variable will be on another variable to their performance so
1: we had a quick chat beforehand about um i guess um uh, younger coaches who are more technically savvy uh, this is the, the 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 kids who are swimming would clearly be technically savvy and but yes. you've also got some elderly coaches have been around the industry for ages who may not be as technically savvy how are you I and mean, you mentioned about different storytelling earlier but how are you how at a platform level are you allowing your data to resonate with those different cohorts
0: um so they like to be referred to as experienced, not elderly excuse me um. <laughs> <laughs> I get in trouble all the time when I say that. Uh, No, but they, um, yeah, we have a really, really broad range of customer. So when I, for me, um, as a sports scientist, when I talk about the customer, the customer for me is the coach and the athlete. That's who I'm trying to deliver sports science for. Um, And yeah, huge range of um, coaches and huge range of levels of experience. Um, with different data and technology, and so it's really important to make sure that the approach that we take with each of them is different. When we're developing new technology, um, we will often probably target um, some of the um, more developing coaches because one of the reasons is they've got a little bit more room for error um, in that um, if we do make a mistake, Um, the result is not so impactful. Um, You know, we don't really want to make too many mistakes with Naryon Titmuss, um, for example, but so you'll experiment here and prototype in that lower level. um, And they're often more more open to it as well, a little bit more experimental, um, a little bit more inquisitive as well, because they're sort of still on their journey of learning and developing. So they're probably open to a little bit um, more things. Sometimes you find when you've got something that works, you you know, when you don't want to change too many things. You get a little bit nervous about change. So, yeah, we're often like trialing and introducing new technology to the more developing ones. Um, and we'll test it out there and iron out a few kinks. And we'll also learn about, um, as we're rolling it out to those coaches, what worked and what didn't work so that when we roll it out to our high performance coaches, our Olympic coaches who are very, don't have a lot of time, really busy people, um, get a lot of information and stuff coming at them all the time. We're really succinct in the way that we deliver with them. um, And we know kind of like how and when and what works with delivery with them. So yeah, it's kind of sort of managing it through the different levels um, of coach and athlete. Excellent.
1: January 1st, FINA has announced that wearables uh, are able to be worn in races. Mm. Uh, what's the impact of that? I'm not too sure we're going to be wearing a, an Apple watch in uh, at the Olympic final, but what's the view on how you might take advantage of that data set? Yeah,
0: good question. Um- I don't, it's a hard one to answer. Um, we don't know, to be honest. Um, FINA, who's the international governing body, only announced uh, maybe f- yeah four to eight weeks ago that um, they were going to introduce wearables into competition. So previously, what happened is when you um, marshal for a race, so you check in, you've done your warm up, and you go to the check in, um, they will check that you're only wearing a cap, goggles, and a racing suit if you're not allowed to wear any you're not even allowed to wear strapping tape um so they'll check that but now yeah FINA have brought in that you can wear wearables um so we're not we're not really sure to be honest drag is a massive um contributor to speed um and velocity in swimming so the athletes um will shave down like even the hairs on their arms they'll shave off every bit of hair on their body to um, maximize their propulsion through the water. So wearing something like an Apple watch, you know, could create a fair bit of drag. So I think there's going to be a huge rush as far as, um, development and innovation around wearables for swimming, um, whether they wear something in their racing cap that might, um, you know, give us um, constant velocity, continuous velocity through um, whether they they could wear something on their goggle strap, like on their temple that gives us heart rate through a race. That's something that we haven't been able to get. At the moment, the data that we get from races is all taken out of video. So we'll video a race and we'll take data out of um, annotations off a video. Um, So yeah, heart rate, that could be something interesting to understand how the heart rate shifts through a race especially something like a 1500 meter race or an 800 meter race 400 meter race um, that could then influence the way you train an athlete Um, so yeah it's definitely um, something that's really new and I think all of the countries are going to be in a mad rush Um, I'll be really interested to be honest to see yeah, like where it goes and and what people come up with, because I think it's it'll be up to the creativity really of who you're working with to what's sort of developed and innovated.
1: Absolutely. Switching gears slightly, uh, the 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 aspiration of, of many kids who have learned to swim through to teenagers looking at the the, the Australian swim team. Uh, how are you seeing what you're developing for that group and that cohort? moving down into the into lower level clubs and and coaches and and parents and, and yeah. kids themselves
0: uh definitely the introduction of video the use of video. so um how we use video feedback um in training on the training pool deck uh, that Originally it was kind of like non-existent, um, but now even in club programs, um, you know, coaches are able to go and, you know, with the development, even just a GoPro, you know, they're able to use a GoPro to give now an iPad um, to give visual feedback to athletes, which is really important. So that's been a really big shift in coaching. it might seem like a really simple one, but it's it's definitely been, I think, a really big cultural shift um, in the way that they're coaching and giving feedback to athletes at all levels, um, right from grassroots up to high performance. Um, and I think you see, you're sort of seeing now, um, probably the understanding on the, on the importance of detail, um, you know, understanding around knowing how fast your start is, knowing how fast your turn is knowing how many strokes you take in the first lap and how many strokes you take in the second lap things and variables and metrics like that and coaches learning um how to coach them better i think coach to those metrics Mm -hmm. Um, and it's definitely becoming probably a little bit more individualized. Probably the other shift that's really been influential from that started in high performance and has gone down to grassroots has been around physiologically around how athletes are trained so back in the day um, it just used to be you know more is better and harder is better now we're learning um, through science you know there are a lot of different ways to develop someone's physiological capability and capacity and also that um, how you develop someone's physiological capability and capacity really depends on the individual too you know people's humans physiological makeup varies so we could have Um, Justin and I could be swimming the same event. We could both swim the 100 metre freestyle, but we might train for it completely differently, but we're going to get the same outcome. Um, And I think that's been a real change. You're seeing um, swimmers racing a lot more and probably training less. So as I said, back in the day, it wasn't uncommon to see swimmers doing like 100k weeks. Um, Now, like a distance swimmer, would be doing you know like 80k would be a big week for them and now sprint swimmers um some of them are doing you know 30k weeks 40k weeks so Uh,
1: what's been have other sports around australia and around the world been watching what you've been doing and and looking to replicate uh and, and is it replicable
0: um and are made available to them yeah um no It's not available to them, it's ours, Um, (laughs) but uh, no, they see what we do um, and definitely um, we watch what they do as well in the swimming world, we're always got a very close eye, the Japanese are always very innovative um, and a very tech savvy country, so we're always sort of looking across to see what they're doing um the americans not so much interestingly um not in swimming anyway um, and i think that's because a lot of their swimming comes out of the ncaa university programs um but uh the netherlands are very very heavy um in tech in swimming so we look at what they're doing and generally we do share um it, you kind of normally though you'll develop something wait till you've had impact in performance with it and then you'll already be halfway through the next project and onto something else when you start to share it with them. Um, and then I think um, probably like other sports definitely, I know I'm going to speak to cycling Australia, um, there, other sports in Australia are very jealous of our partnership with AWS and um, they often get comments from their coaches, oh can you just do what swimming are doing and they're like, <laughs> we don't have AWS. We can't do it. So um I one of the things that has been well is going to be like an educational process is understanding what it actually takes to develop these tools and technologies that uh, the the ultimate goal is to make it look really easy and make your life easier and faster and you should just be able to maybe do something at the flick of a switch but there's a lot of a lot of things that go on behind that to create it so that it can just be a flick of a switch for you um you know when we work with aws we're often you know in we've got you know a project team of like 12 to 14 people working on it with us so and i think that's you know like all behind the scenes but often people don't see that and so that will be one of the things that as we go through the process will be really important to educate people around and just they don't need to know the detail but just to have an understanding um at a high level of sort of what's involved
1: my last question before i hand to the floor so please be ready Um, one of amazon's leadership principles is to think big Um, unlimited money unlimited resources What do you want to do what's the what's the think big for you in your role for 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 swimming australia
0: yep i know exactly what the think big is um so i would like to see the race analysis um, be made live at the moment there's a process once we film a race it'll probably take us about 30 minutes to analyze a race and get the metrics to the coaches The reason I want to see it go live is uh, to get the information to coaches faster. But I want to actually get it out to the fans. Uh, I want to use it. I want it to get to broadcasts. Swimming is a is a really great sport, and there's a lot of detail and technique um, and information that goes on into a swimming race. But you don't really see it as a fan when you're sitting at home and watching a TV. Um, you know, you often hear the commentators talk about, oh, there they go up and down the black line. Uh, it's not the most, ex- no one crashes, you know, <laughs> no one swims out of lane. There's no fights that go on. Um, so, but there is some really, really inf- interesting information that can help tell the story of, of that race. And so I'd like to get that, if we can get that live and get that into broadcast and use it for fan engagement, um, I think it'd be really, really exciting for the sport.
1: Excellent, wonderful. OK, so uh, have we got some questions online and we're going to give uh, the online uh, opportunity first and then go to the room. So put your hand up and uh, I think we've got some speakers, some uh, speakers coming around.
0: We do. The first question is from Jason Collins. He says, thanks for the great information. If someone's sick on the day on or before the day, can the algorithms reassign another swimmer based on the collective analytics? Same question applies if the opposing team changes their lineup yes we can yeah so we do have the ability to um, manipulate the lineups um, and then we'll run the analytics over it to see what will happen. So, that is a pretty common one. Uh, we might get an athlete that's sick or gets an injury in a competition, and so we need to make a change to our lineup. And we'll just, um, one of the great things that they've built into it, into the application, is the ability for us to manipulate it um, and play out those scenarios so that we're still make sure we're putting the best team forward. This has been really fascinating and and thanks for talking about the the taking the coaches on the journey and making sure they're understanding and getting comfortable and not sort of forcing it upon them um as a swimmer where my performance is improving in seconds not milliseconds this is this is useless and irrelevant for me unfortunately personally but you know if i put myself in the position of i'm in the pool i'm trying to execute on this how do i deal with this new information i'm interested from a psychology perspective on how you balance all of the things you could push on them Mm. to what you're going to cherry pick and go it's this one thing i want to focus what's the shift you've seen in the coaching methodology now that you've got all this extra information yeah really really great question and that's an area like i'm really fascinated in as well is around how do you know what information to give to them at the right time? And especially when you're in, say, like a pressure environment like the Olympics, you know, during a training session, you could probably give them a little bit more information um, because you can stop at points and discuss it. But you definitely don't want to overload an athlete or a coach in that pressure situation in Olympics. So you have to make sure that you're giving them the right information because you don't want to give them too much. So the little bit that you're giving them, you want that to be the most valuable information that you're giving them. Um, and that was, funnily enough, that I'm trying to get to F1 to an F1 team to ask the same question. You know, like in an F1 race where the driver's in the car and they're miked up to the guys in pit lane. How does the guy in pit lane know out of all the information that he's getting what to tell the driver? Because I'm pretty sure that driver who's going at, I don't know, 300 kilometers round a hairpin, Ben does not want to know, you know, like the heat of his tyre. I don't know what he wants to know, but how do they um know what to give him? So what, how do you value proposition data? Um, At the moment, how do we do it is just by personal relationships. So knowing the individual, working with them over time, forming a relationship with them where you understand, what they can handle, what works for them, what doesn't, uh, what do they like, what do they not like. It's definitely harder when you get like a new swimmer who you don't know, and then it becomes a bit of trial and error. Oops, I probably gave them too much information and they're panicking. Um, you know, we're gonna have to wind that back next time, or or yeah. So, but definitely, yeah, a really really interesting um, space that I think we'll see more and more. Um, sort of research go into around yeah how do how do you know what and what to give them and when to give it to them hi it's fascinating
1: topic um the question i kind of have in ai machine learning worlds there's always a concern of the learning bias the how the machine gets modeled is sort of biased by the subjects that are getting trained into the models And if i think back to the whole bio selection like rowing if you weren't six foot five you wouldn't be a rower in an elite sport is there a risk that with this sort of profile and the people that excel best fit a profile and it makes it pretty hard to be a unicorn show up and generationally change the sport do you think this sort of model prohibits potentially that catching of yeah interests
0: yeah Really, really interesting question. So one of the um, projects that we actually have going at the moment is called H2Grow. It's another one we do with the University of Sydney. Um, And it's looking at um, maturation versus performance of an athlete. Um, And what it does is they've created an algorithm where um, in swimming, when you're in age groups, when you swim in age bands, so all the 13 year olds go together, all the 14 year olds, so on, so on. If you were born in January and you're 13 versus if you were born in December, there's like a whole 12 months, which we know in adolescence is huge, right? But the one that's born in January is probably going to beat the one that was born in December because they've just got 12 months extra growth and development. So they've worked um, an algorithm, which they've done on numerous sports. They've tested it in track and field and other sports where they run the algorithm over the end results based on data birth, maturation, but also looking at peak height velocity, which is telling us whether you're an early developer or a late developer, and it will change the total outcome of a race. So I might've finished sixth in the race, but once we run the algorithm over it, I'm actually first, sort of like a handicap yeah like a handicap yeah but based on like yeah age maturation and your purse your individual you know rate of growth and development um but we have to be really careful with that because how do we tell the poor kid that was born in january hey you won but you actually didn't you're just a big kid (laughs) uh so (laughs) look yeah how do we do it we don't know um at the moment but it might be changing the format of the competition you know, so that, um, yeah, whether we handicap races or change the way we structure our age bands or something like that. But we're making sure that you sort of you want as many people in your playing field as you can. So we don't want people dropping out of the sport because they feel like they're not being successful. Whereas if they kept swimming, you know, and they we know that they're going to grow later in life, you know, and they'll catch up. Um, so how do we keep their motivation high and keep them understanding that their time will come? <laughs> They've just got to sort of stick at it a little bit. So there's definitely um, that one of the things we really keep in the forefront of our mind, as I said, you know, like we're dealing with humans, you know, we're not, the computer, the data is really, really valuable for us and really, really powerful. But every day, like I remind myself, you know, we're just people. And and that's what you've got to, I think, keep at the front
1: of your mind. Hi, I just wanted to talk about, a little bit about the human element as well. Um, historical matchup performance and athletes swimming against athletes that they swim against regularly. Um, what role does it does that level of analysis have? Where people swim well against certain other people, and depending on the race that they can they're competing in, and how does that input into the model, or is that a factor that's considered in racing?
0: Um. Yeah, good question. So we try to individualize it all. So even though we might have a like a head-to-head matchup um, type of thing, that's where the probably the coaching intuition comes into it. So we will look at um, as far as like designing a race plan um, for an athlete, even no matter what the matchup is, head-to-head. Um, a really good example is um, Caleb Dressel, the American. Um, he's been one of the fastest in the top two male 100 meter swimmers in the world versus Kyle Chalmers who's also in the top two and those guys go head to head all the time we we know and we know exactly how Caleb swims his race um, but we design Kyle's race plan for Kyle because it's about getting the optimal performance out of Kyle's engine you know out of Kyle's body Um, we can't design it to um, you know to match or negate Caleb's swimming Uh, we have to play to Kyle's strengths we have to continually always develop Kyle's the weaknesses of a swimmer but we also want to play to that individual's strengths as well and continue to develop them so but we're very very aware of like where Caleb's strengths are and where Caleb's weaknesses are as well you know so we're taking those things into consideration all the time but ultimately yeah you have to really work on the individual where it does come into play a little bit will be in the relays more so um where yeah we might know and you're probably more than looking at um splits so the the way a race is swum so if someone has a fast first 50 meters which we call the front end of the race versus the back end which is the second half of the race you may play that matchup against um someone um but yeah that's that's as far as it goes around sort of comparing sort of two, otherwise we really, it's about having insight, um, but you're always focused on yourself.
1: Thank you so much, Jess. Uh, please join me in thanking Jess for her time and knowledge.
0: Thanks, Justin.